Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 251. Get out and ask questions. When you're at a car show, walk up to an owner and ask them questions. There's nothing more than the owner would rather do than talk to you about their car. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's special guest, Alan Stevens. Alan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. All right. Great to have you here. Alan Stevens is the chairman of the 2015 Forest Grove Concours de Elegance, located near Portland, Oregon. A lifelong automobile enthusiast, Alan caught the car bug as a kid riding in his father's Cougar Jaguar to local shows and racing events. Alan is the past president of the Mercedes-Benz Club of America, the Portland section, and he's a certified Concours judge. His car collecting focuses on German automobiles, and he is currently restoring a 1972 Mercedes Coupe. A graduate of Oregon State University, his professional career has spanned from marketing to human resources, and today Alan is the HR Operations Manager at Intel in Hillsboro, Oregon. Alan, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your history, your career, your interests, of course, Forest Grove Concours, and your passion for automobiles? You bet, Mark. It's uh, I was sort of raised in, a, in an automotive family. Uh, my father was a huge car nut and uh, uh, collected a lot of very eccentric cars. We had everything from uh, an Aston Martin to several Jaguars to a Singer Le Mans to a uh, you know 1950s fire truck in our driveway. Oh my at, gosh! At any one time, so it was a lot of uh, a lot of fun times uh, growing up in that environment, going to car shows, meeting people, and getting exposed to the whole car culture. And that uh, that's that's where I got hooked. Tell me a little bit about a Cougar Jaguar. So a Cougar Jaguar was, they were actually constructed in the late 70s and early 80s using Jaguar uh, running gear from the 1960s. However, 
the body style was more in the style of a 1950s Grand Prix car. And so it had sort of open fenders, sort of a cigar-shaped body, and it really is a striking-looking car. I've never seen one again after my father sold his, and so I've been kind of on on the hunt for one. They only built about 300 of those cars, and uh, they're they're very rare, especially um, in the U.S. Wow, it sounds like it. That's a car that I've never seen as well, so I'm going to have to do a little research on that one. Tell me a little bit about the Concours event that you're running right now, because your father, as I understand, your father ran that event, started that event years ago? That's correct. He was one of the founders uh, within the Forest Grove Rotary Club that started the Forest Grove Concours as a fundraiser for Rotary Club community service projects as well as student scholarships. Uh, When my father joined the Rotary Club uh, here back in the early 70s, the current fundraiser they had at the time was going around and selling roses sort of door to door. And that's and that's how how they would raise money. Mm-hmm. Well, my dad being a car nut, uh, we had moved up from California here to Oregon and, and, and he was a huge car nut and came up with a concept of doing a Concorde d'Elegance. And so this, you know, was sort of unheard of in uh, a small town here just outside Portland. So my father rallied together uh, a group of local enthusiasts from the Portland area pulled them together along with the Rotary Club and uh, staged the first Forest Grove Concours in 1973. Wow. So this has been going on a long time. That's correct. That's correct. And so uh, what's fantastic about our event is really the community involvement. And so I mentioned the Rotary Club uh, stages the event, and we have Rotary Club members and over 300 volunteers work uh, throughout the year to plan and stage this event. And it's really inspiring working with other folks in the community, some of whom have worked on this event for the last 42 years. And so we have people who work in a, work building our fence every year and working on the stage and working in the food service. It takes a tremendous amount of inter- of infrastructure to to put on an event like this, and so it's really amazing to work with people who are so who are so devoted to it. Yes, uh, Concours events like what you're doing require help from other people, and uh, they're not easy events to put on in so many aspects. So, nope. I commend nope. you for uh, taking the reins and continuing this fantastic event. I'm proud to say that Cars Jazz is going to be involved in a small way this year as well. So, I'm very excited about coming down and, and being a part of it. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Jazz. So, Alan, take the wheel. Okay, so Mark, yes. One quote that I always go back to uh, is something from from John Lennon, and that is, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. And so (laughs) what I mean by that and why it inspires me is that life is short, and you've got to you know, seize the day and really make the most of it. I've had a lot of instances in my life where I was looking to do to to go down one road, and I, I ended up going uh, down a different road. It, it also translates into the car world, and uh, you know when you see a really fantastic car come up. For example, I you know at one point I saw a Mercedes 250SL Pagoda. Um, I didn't have the money to buy it, but uh, it was a fantastic car, and uh, I was able to scrape together enough money and purchase the car, and it was just a fantastic part of my life. Mm. And so that's just an example of, you know, life is short, and, you, and you've got to make the most of it. 
Absolutely. I have a good friend, Bill, up here in the Pacific Northwest that just purchased a Pagoda. And, uh, oh, they're really beautiful cars. And I know you're a Mercedes fan. I've loved Mercedes automobiles for years and uh, got to drive many different models. So a spectacular car to own. I'm glad you're able to experience that. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about growing up with a father who exposed you to some incredible cars, incredible people, incredible situations. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? Yeah, that's a there, that's a great question, and and there is when I was um, shortly after my father passed away in 1999, I was really kind of down in the dumps and and kind of got I, I stepped away from the from the car world for a while and really tried to um, tr- uh, try new things. And, and I, I met a good friend of mine, his name is Mike Spicer, and he had a, a Ford Thunderbird and a, and a Mercedes 280 SL in his garage. Mm-hmm. And I got to know him and got to spend time around his cars. And we started going out to other car events. And really, I, I got a fantastic boost from Mike just getting back into the car world and meeting new friends and discovering what I had been missing. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> Through through that experience, um, I really kind of rekindled my passion for cars, and we started going to events together. We we joined uh, various facets of, of the Mercedes Benz world. Uh, we're going to Starfest and other meets, and from there, I you know I bought my first classic car, which was a uh, 1977 Mercedes 450 SEL 6.9 sedan. Ooh, wow! And really began to enjoy life back in the in the automotive world and so I, I give a lot of credit to Mike for getting me back on the right track. Well welcome back we're happy to have you here yes <laughs> the great thing about the car hobby really is not so much the cars but the people really is all about the people yep. absolutely. Alan what I want to do now is look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a challenge or even a failure along the way Running a Concours event is fraught with challenges, so perhaps you want to talk a little bit about that, but the more important part of this question has to do with how did you overcome the situation and what did you learn from it? Yeah, Mark, I think one of the biggest challenges that we've had uh, with our event here and our Concours event is around building relationships with car owners and also developing relationships with sponsors. Mm. And so what I've learned in the last four or five years, getting more and more involved with this event is that it's all about relationships and we need to foster strong relationships with people in the car community. And if possible, make it a win-win situation. So for example, we will invite participants from various automotive museums to bring a car to Forest Grove, such as the LeMay Museum. And in exchange, we provide them some some, some uh, exposure and sponsorship. And so it's really about figuring out how can you foster a connection with an individual or an entity and really present it to them as a win-win so it doesn't feel like that they're going over and above to provide an automobile for our event. Mm-hmm. And also maintaining relationships with people in the car community. I spend a lot of time throughout the year, even in, you know, in, in the off season during the wintertime, emailing people and connecting with people and walking up to people at car shows and saying, hey, hello, do you, do you remember me? I'm Alan Stevens from the Forest Grove Concours. And so keeping those relationships going is very, very important. Oh, absolutely. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those aha moments. 
I like to say it's a time when the headlights came on and illuminated your way for perhaps a new idea with the Concours or a new direction. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. One of the biggest sort of aha moments I've had with with running this event and being involved with it over the past few years is is that we went through a period for a while where, you know, our event's been going on for, for 42 years now. And so we went through a period where I think the event was getting a little bit stale and we were sort of weren't doing anything new with it. And it was becoming more of a show, but there was no real focus to it. And mm-hmm. so one of the big aha moments that I had was around creating different points of focus in the event and trying to illuminate different either marks or types of automobiles to generate interest both with car owners and also with spectators. Mm. And an example of that is a couple of years ago, we featured 50 years of the Chevrolet Corvette. And, you know, it was a fantastic class. We had many high-quality Corvettes come. This year at Forest Grove, we're going to celebrate not only classic cars through the Classic Car Club of America, but we're also celebrating 60 years of the Ford Thunderbird, as well as modern supercars. And oh, wow. so that provides a platform for different clubs and different groups of car owners to get involved with our event. For example, we've never had supercars before as a specific class. Now we do. The, the word is getting out and we're getting some fantastic entries. Plus for the spectators, it gives us a really a marketing hook to go out and say, hey, we're going to have modern supercars this year. And it provides a specific image and touch point for our event that really gets spectators really excited versus, hey, we're going to have a Concours event, which is just all vintage cars. Uh, So it's really about developing points of focus and figuring out ways to get different owners and spectators really excited about our event. Ah, fantastic idea. I think that's uh, excellent. You think about modern supercars, could be bringing in some younger kids, younger enthusiasts who love the new supercars, whether it's a LaFerrari or an i8 or 918 Porsche or any of these cars that have come out that are really new and unique. And uh, the kids of today, like you and I, when we were young, we had posters of cars from the 60s and 70s on our wall. And these kids probably have the new modern cars up. So I think that's a great direction. Just to expand on that, Mark, one of the key areas that we're focusing on is how can we develop the next generation of automobile enthusiasts, <laughs> Absolutely, both from the judging perspective and also from the spectator perspective. So we have a stable of about 80 or 90 judges that we have on our roster. However, a lot of those judges uh, or a portion of those judges have been working our event for the past 30 or 40 years. And you know, some of them are starting to drop out. So how can we really stimulate that next generation of judge and also get younger people excited about our event? Like I said, at many times, a younger person may hear about a vintage car show and think, oh, it's kind of ho-hum. But if we can stimulate some excitement through supercars or sports cars or other special features, um, we, we hope to draw out those the, sort of that, that younger generation of car guy. Yes, sounds great. How about proudest moments? Is there one in particular you can share with us? Well, I think the reason that I spend so much time volunteering to work on the Forest Grove Concourse because at the end of the day, it's all about raising money for the community. Mm. So we've raised over $1 million for programs and scholarships here uh, in Western Oregon. 
one of the proudest moments I have is trying to move our event a little bit more towards how can we maximize the dollars that we raise for charity. And so for one example of that is, is, is this year, uh, we've started to ask car owners to provide a voluntary donation. We historically have not had an entry fee for our event, and many concours do have an entry fee, some don't. What we've taken the approach with this year is to keep it optional. There's no entry fee. However, we have asked car owners to provide a voluntary donation of $25 when they enter their car. And through that effort, I'm hoping that we can increase the dollars that we raise for the community and give back more to Forest Grove and the surrounding area. Excellent. Sounds like a great idea. And congratulations and kudos to you and your team for raising so much money for charity. It's absolutely fantastic. Let's have a little bit of fun here. You talked about all the cars that your father had, but what was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share a memory with that car that you had. So the first car that I actually owned that was my own was a 1979 Volkswagen Scirocco. Hey, that was the first brand new car I ever bought was a 79 Scirocco. <laughs> That's funny. You know, back at in me being a child of the 80s, so I was, uh, you know, I was born in the, in the late 60s, but really in the 80s started, you know, was going to college and starting to get much more interested in, in automobiles. And, and back then, as you know, you know, a Volkswagen provided a lot of bang for the buck. Yeah. Uh, I had, I had a pretty peppy car. It was, it, it handled reasonably well and it, it, had a manual transmission. And so it was a lot of fun to drive. And I, I had a lot of great time with that car going back and forth from my parents' house in Forest Grove down to Oregon State University in Corvallis through the country back roads. Really built a great connection with the car. However, it came to an abrupt end when uh, I was probably going a little bit too fast on a country road and and broadsided a van. And, oh, and no. for, fortunately, everybody walked away from it. However, it, it really taught me a really valuable lesson in that uh, having a car is a, is a privilege and, and driving it on, on public roads can be a lot of fun, but we've got to be extremely careful. And so it really now, every time I get behind the wheel, I'm, I'm much more conscious. So the car gave its life uh, in that moment, but uh, I, I learned a very valuable lesson. Absolutely. What color was your Scirocco? It was a metallic gray with kind of a maroon interior. Oh, wow. Nice combination. <laughs> Very cool. Mine was metallic green with a tan interior. And uh, I remember I saved up, put those uh, BBS basket weave gold mm-hmm. wheels on it that were so popular back in the early 80s. But uh, yeah, I did yeah. love that car. I had that car for 10 years all the way through college and into my... Uh, the early days of my marriage and uh, birth of my first child. So, yeah, fantastic. Mm. They're fun cars. thing I'm looking to do, Mark, is establish a class at a future concours for Volkswagen Scirocco's. I think uh, they've achieved a level of rarity now because so many of them were crashed. Yep. And, and, and there's so few nice ones left. Or they rusted away, I think, was the other issue yep. with those cars. So is there a vehicle that you've sold that you really wish you could have back in the garage? Well, I mentioned uh, the Mercedes 250SL Roadster. Fantastic car. It's one of those cars where, we, you know, when you put the top down and you're driving down the, the road on a summer day, it's really, really a wonderful feeling. Mm-hmm. Plus, the engineering quality of that car is fantastic. You think about, you know, British cars in the mid-60s versus German cars, and 
you know, this car had fuel injection, had a very rare five-speed manual transmission. It was a Euro-spec car with Euro headlights. Cool. And it was just a heck of a lot of fun. But, you know, life happens. And uh, I had uh, I, I had a daughter that was just born. Uh, we were trying to uh, uh, um, moved to a bigger house, and so something had to give, and, yep. and unfortunately, it, it was the 250 SL. I've heard that story over and over <laughs> and over, and I've lived it myself over and over and over. So the things yep. we do for our kids. How about a vehicle that you bought and shortly after said to yourself, what was I thinking? Well, I've had only one of those moments so far in my life, and um and I think I'm I'm very, I'm very fortunate. Shortly after the Scirocco went away, I purchased a uh, Volkswagen Golf, and uh-huh. uh, this was a um, a car that would for my sort of post college years. I purchased the car, took it home, was very proud of myself. Then I took it to my mechanic. Mm-mm. And that's probably the opposite order of how you think. Yes. <laughs> and when I took it to the mechanic, he said, you know, this is a fantastic car, except for the fact it was severely rear-ended and the rear axle was bent and the car didn't track straight when it drove down the street. Uh, a little bit and of a crab. Back, <laughs> and if you step back and look at it, the front end was a darker shade of red than the than the back end. Yeah. So once again, another learning moment where you think about those things now, and it really tells you what to look for and what process to follow when you're going to purchase a new car. Yeah, the importance of that PPI inspection is so key, especially when buying a used car and especially when buying a collector car because the the passion red mist gets in your brain and yep. you just sit there and go, I just want it, and you, you forget or you stop looking for the problem. So I understand completely. I usually ask at this point of, the, of our talk about a current project that has you excited and fired up. And I'll certainly ask that question, but if you'd like to talk a little bit more about the Concord event, that's well and good as well. But is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Well, two things. Um, one of them is is regarding the Forest Grove Concours. We're getting set for an exciting event this year on, on July 19th at, at Pacific University in Forest Grove. We've partnered with the Classic Car Club of America to present a Grand Classic celebration. And, and what that means is we're hosting a CCCA Grand Classic, which is a, a regional event for American or, or foreign-built automobiles built from 1925 to 1948. And so we have wonderful entries coming in from uh, what we call full classics all over the West Coast, from Oregon, Washington, California, Idaho. We have one um, automobile that's coming down from BC that is a 1930 Packard that was owned by the current owner's grandfather. Wow. He purchased it back in the 30s, and it was used by... King George and Queen Mary of England during their visit to Victoria, B.C. back in 1939. Oh, wow. What a cool history. And so that'll be one very interesting car that's coming down. And then also with modern supercars, we have an acceptance from a LaFerrari as well as many other really amazing supercars. So really looking forward to that and as well as 60 years of the Ford Thunderbird. So it's going to be a wonderful event. On the sort of personal side of things, uh, I'm working on the restoration of a 1972 Mercedes Coupe. It's a uh, what we call a uh, W114 body style, uh, which is sort of that uh, new generation of, of coupe designed by Paul Brock. Yeah. The cars today are not that valuable, but it's one of those sort of passion projects where I just love the body style on those cars. I think they're sort of an emerging classic. Yep. and. Uh, 
putting together, you know, some some money so I can get it in a paint over the winter and 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 hopefully next year uh, get it out on the show field. Fantastic! Can't wait to see it. Here's a very introspective question for you, Alan. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Well, that is a interesting question, and you know, right now, one of the favorite cars that I've always followed and I've always admired is the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR number 722, which is driven by <laughs> Sterling Moss yes. uh, and, and Dennis Jenkinson in the 1955 Millimilia. The car is was very advanced for its time um, with the unique valve train, uh, eight-cylinder uh, engine, uh, fuel injection, and it just went on to dominate, you know, in, in um, sports car racing sure. in 1955 and, and, and during that period. The reason I would like to be the car uh, is because I would like to be riding along with Sterling and Dennis uh, during that 1955 Mila Milia when they just shattered the speed record. And I think they averaged over 100 miles per hour during that race. And uh, what an experience that would be just to ride along and and sort of be a fly on the wall and and to see the things that, that they saw during that time. It would be spectacular. You know, I've been fortunate enough to see that car and one of the former guests here on Cars, yeah, Afshin Benia from Petrolicious just did a special video on that vehicle. And Dwight Knowlton, who's an author of The Little Red Racing Car, just did a collaborative book called The Greatest Race with Sir Sterling Moss about that car. So great choice, fantastic car. And of course, it's a Mercedes, which is close to your heart. So that makes it appropriate. So, Alan, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a word from our Cars Yeah! sponsor. Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book, from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E gear.com. All right, Alan, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready to go? I'm ready. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Well, at one time I was standing next to Keith Martin and uh, we were looking at cars and he said, you know, it's only original once. And that's a very good advice. If you find a car, don't restore it right away. Think about the originality. Think about the car being a document of its time and don't rush into uh, any restoration project. Great advice. Keith has been a guest here on Cars. Yeah, I've known Keith for many years and uh for a guy who uh, is around so many cars, that is great advice coming from someone who knows the truth, especially this day and age where preservation classes are, have become so important at shows. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Sure. I'll, I've got three things for you. Be direct, be nice, 
but keep it simple. <laughs> I think in I, I think in today's world, you know, where we talk to so many people, uh, we're engaged in so many different things. I try and be in direct and as honest and as upfront with people, uh, and it, it really makes things easier down the line. Also, being nice in my interactions in the collector car hobby, 99% of the people in this hobby are fantastic and wonderful, and so I try and sort of pay it forward and be as nice as possible. And the last thing is keep it simple. I think, you know, don't overcomplicate things. I always try and keep things as logical and as simple as possible. Do you have a resource you'd like to share with our listeners that you think they would enjoy? Sure. A couple of them. One of them is Sports Car Market Magazine. It's it's a magazine that I get and read it cover to cover. You know, fantastic auction reviews, and it really gives you a sense of where the market's going. Mm -hmm. And also, some of the car profiles are a great way to understand what to look for in a specific car. One other quick piece of advice, Mark, is to join a car club. You know, when I got involved with the car hobby, I joined the Mercedes-Benz Club. And through that, I met so many owners and learned so much about the cars. It's a really, really valuable resource. Extremely valuable. Great advice. How about a book? Is there one in particular you think that the Cars Yow listeners would enjoy reading? Well, as a Mercedes-Benz fan, one book I've really enjoyed is called Mercedes-Benz 8, The Supercharged Eight-Cylinder Cars of the 1930s. This is a book that came out. It's fairly low print volume, but it gives a incredible look at all of the wonderful 500 and 540K supercharged Mercedes-Benz from the 1930s. I'm more of a sports car guy, and I never thought I would really enjoy reading a book about full classics, but this is really, really an incredible resource, especially if you're a Mercedes fan. Ah, great. That's the first time that book's been recommended here on Cars Yes, yeah, so we'll make sure that you can find that on Alan's show notes page. You can find everything Alan has shared with us here today at carsyacom slash Alan Stevens. We're up to the checkered flag here, Alan, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because today I'm going to write the check, what would that one vehicle be and why? Well, one car that I've always lusted after and it's, you know, it's way outside my price range is is the original McLaren F1 from the mid-90s. Mm. It is was such an advanced car for its time and so purposeful in its design and it still stands up today as one of the highest you know best performing sports cars out there it's really really a benchmark i think uh, for today's supercars and it, you know was a precursor to what we're seeing today and sort of this hypercar battle in many ways i look back to the mclaren f1 as as one of the best cars ever designed. Yes, uh, fantastic choice, wonderful vehicles. Well, Alan, you've taken me on a great ride today and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I wanna thank you for sharing your journey and the Forest Grove Concord Elegance with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that McLaren F1? I would encourage people, if they're interested in the, in the car hobby and want to learn more, is to get out and ask questions. When you're at a car show, walk up to an owner and ask them questions. There's nothing more than the owner would rather do than talk to you about their car. A lot of times people will walk by and they think, oh, you know, that owner doesn't want to talk to me or, oh, I can't afford that car. But if you walk up and engage the owner, you will learn so much in a five or 10 minute conversation. It's just so worthwhile. And, and using that process, I have met so many great people in the car world. Secondly, I encourage everyone to come out to the Forest Grove Concours coming up July 19th. 
uh, in Forest Grove, Oregon. It's going to be a wonderful event. The summertime in the Pacific Northwest, as you know, is glorious. And so we hope to see a lot of new friends out there. Sounds wonderful. And, you know, your advice is exactly true. And especially we talked earlier about young kids and getting them into the hobby. Taking a kid, taking a neighbor, taking a son or daughter to a car show is a spectacular way to do a couple things. Expose them to something new and different, but also help to teach them how to communicate. I've been taking my son to vintage races and Concours events since he was four years old. He's 21 now. He's in his junior year of college. And he told me one time, he said, Dad, all those events you took me to were a wonderful learning lesson how to be a better communicator because you always pushed me forward and said, just ask the owner, what is he like about his car? And he has to sit back and listen. And it's a great way to help teach your kids how to communicate with people, but also expose them to a hobby that could be a lifelong passion for people like Alan and myself and all the guests here at Cars Yeah. And definitely, I'll be at the event this year. Go down to Forest Grove or up or wherever you're coming from. I think it's a fantastic event, and I look forward to seeing you there as well. What's the best way that our listeners can learn more about your event? Go to www.forestgroveconcours.org and that website has all the information. You can sign up for our email newsletter, learn about the Concours, learn about the tour on Saturday, uh, and also see pictures of some of our past class winners. Yeah, there's a great picture library there and as I was scrolling through it, I saw a couple cars belonging to friends of mine that I didn't even know they had. <laughs> I sent one of them an email. I said, when'd you get that car? You know, It's been hidden away in his garage. So great site. I encourage all the Cars Out listeners to go and experience that. So listeners, again, you can find everything Alan's been so gracious to share with us today at carsyad.com. Just put Alan in the search box and his show notes page will pop right up with links to the Forest Grove Concours and everything he's discussed. Alan, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!